much of what I'm going to share today in the next few minutes is a beginning of the unfolding of the manifestation of the coming into earth, into the scene, here in the ninth month of the year. I'll try that over here. We are at the delivery. The days are accomplished that we should be delivered. So there's so much that are, is going to begin to come from the unseen into the seen, and it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of a decade of deliverance. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. And so it would behoove us uh, without taking an overt amount of time to review just so our minds would be fresh on what the Spirit of God said concerning 2021. Because we've only hit a highlight or two, whether you may realize that or not. All that the Lord visited with me, me with and said to me, there are many things I've not spoken in public that were going to happen this year and start. Not just happen, but begin. <clears throat> One of those is, it's going to be a year, you just need to know this, right at the top, of course, on what is printed for you to see, is Ephesians 3.10, where, uh, 1.10, where we talked about that the dispensation of the fullness of the times. Now, I'm going to come full circle to that in just a moment, and you'll understand why. But in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, Today, it's not fitting, nor would time allow me to get into teaching so that those that don't understand what I'm talking about can be brought up to speed. But the scripture is very clear that the dispensation of the fullness of the times that God was going to bring everything that was in heaven and put that in Christ, everything that is in earth and put that in Christ and you. Now, I will, ultimately, I can see now uh, the need for it. And so we're going to, I'm going to set up a way where I can systematically in the right atmosphere where people can pull, minister along these lines. So I'm satisfied that if folks are in a service like this and they hear a statement, they can go to the website or go and get the teaching if they want to, get the revelation. So I'm, I'm really working on the understanding of how important Capturing revelation knowledge is, especially right now, it is more important than it's ever been. <clears throat> so, uh, but that being said, for the purposes of our gathering today and what God wants to do and talk about at this moment around the world to our partners, to the people that will watch this anywhere at any time throughout the future, the Lord said that 2021 would be, and the Holman translation in Ephesians 1.10 reads this way. Uh, it reads, I believe it says in the Holman translation, uh, the, let me just find it right here, and I think they might can bring it. Oh, there it is. For the administration of the days of fulfillment. So look at your neighbor and say, these are the days of fulfillment. Now look at the next phrase, to bring everything together. Well, now he's talking about heaven and earth and you. So to bring you on earth 
together in contact with. Everything that's promised to happen in the earth and everything that belongs to you in heaven. There is a glorious church that's on the rise. You need to know that the body of Christ is not going out of here sick, broke, tribulated, dysfunctional, discouraged, downtrodden, running from the devil. But what people are confused about because their, their understanding is so finite is that everything, say everything, everything. is going to be brought together. Everything. Everything means everything. Which means before Jesus returns, every seed ever planted for six millennia is coming to harvest. What that means is not just your wheat, but that your wheat is growing in the midst of tares. That the, the end time harvest, which is the maturity of all crops, according to the parable of the wheat and tares, Jesus made it very clear that the first thing that's got to happen before the ultimate fulfillment of what Jesus promised you and me is separation. Now, once again, I'm not going to all these scriptures because it would take too long, but in, if you read it in Matthew 13, the harvesting angels are going to get involved. And they're going to gather the tares and cast them into the fire and separate them from the wheat. It's going to be a massive move. That means the angels are going to be moving amongst our wheat to separate us from the tares. Understand the ultimate fulfillment of why Jesus died was no more curse. So if there's any curse attached to you, the end game is to separate you from it. It doesn't get to go to heaven. And deliverance sometimes can be violent. You need to understand that the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. So I want to, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand the way spiritual things work with enough apprehension, at least in your carnal mind, so that when I deliver to you what the word of the Lord said to me, it won't move you as a believer the wrong direction. Because if you have a filter of fear, if you have a little revelation, if you're an unstable person, if you're afraid of the future, uh, then... Um, I'm not sure you have ears to hear what the word of the Lord said today. But I want you to understand that he's saying here by the spirit of God that the days of fulfillment are at hand. Glory be to God. Now, he talked about 2021 and basically 2021 is the unfolding of what he said to me in an open vision three days before 2020 began. When he showed me the whole world violently shaking. That's written. You've seen it. The wall disappeared. I had an open vision. I saw the world. This is before COVID hit, before the nation shut down, before everybody had to wear a mask, quit going to school, and people got scared and ran off from church and all that. The Lord said that the fulfillment of the prophets was coming and that everything that could be shaken would be. 
that the shaking was not negative for the church. The shaking is God fulfilling the promise of the prophet. What we've experienced, which is the manifestation of pandemic and COVID and all of that, is not from God. That is the other seeds coming to harvest. It is what the Bible calls the beginning of sorrows, and God didn't cause it. God doesn't, God spoke, and, and when he spoke, the caverns of the damned, and the foundations of the earth moved, and Jesus was blown out of hell through three realms to the highest heaven, and all demons were blown against the wall of the caverns of the damned, and he took the keys and blew out of there, all because God spoke. God spoke the world into existence and brought it into order. See, understand this. Get real clear about this. What shakes people is not diseases. Okay. If, if you, if, I'm going to have to have you catch up with me a little bit. I know that some folks don't have the basis of why I'm making these statements. So I'm going to have to back up and teach just a fraction so that people get, can catch up with what I'm saying so that now you understand and see it in the right context. Jesus said that a wise man will hear these sayings of mine and do them. Mark, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He said that he will hear, a wise man will hear these sayings of mine and do them. I will liken him to a wise man that will build his house on a rock and the rains will descend, the winds will blow, the floods will come but his house will stand. The man who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Are you hearing me now? It's likened unto a man that built his house on the sand, the foundation. I'm talking about either a shakable or an unshakable foundation. The rains will descend. The winds will blow, the storms will, the, the, the floods will come, and that house will fall, and great will be the fall of it. Now, this is proof that the storm is not what shakes the house. Because both houses, every house, every life's going to go through the same shaking. And every house and every person heard the same word. It's the way they respond to, receive, and build on the word that determines whether in the shaking they will be the ones shaken. No demon, no COVID, no downturn in the economy, no interest rate, nobody voted in the office that you didn't elect can shake you. I want you to understand, I'm going to give you another example. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word's established. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 speaks of our father in the faith, Abraham. It says that God gave him a word. Thou shalt be, you are the father of many nations. At that time, his body was dead. His wife's body was dead. Uh, as they got older, there was no hope it could even come to pass. But he believed God and it, and it manifested him for righteousness. And 
over a period of time, a long period of time, his faith developed through faith and patience to a place of being fully persuaded where he believed that even if he had made mistakes, God was able to do what he had promised. Now here's the point that I want to make about this. And it's starting in verse 17. Let's look there because if we read it, we'll understand what happened with Abraham. Because the Bible says if we're going to be blessed, we're going to be blessed with faithful Abraham. That the faith we have that to become heir of the world is the way his faith operated. It's the faith of God. It's the way our faith is going to operate. Amen. Amen. So he said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, th this may go without saying, but I don't think it does. God's already made him that. On God's end, it's settled, unshakable. On Abraham's end, there's a difference between God making you something and you becoming it. And according to Genesis 18, 19, the reason God chose Abraham is he said, I know this man, he'll teach his children after him my ways to do justice and judgment that I may bring upon him what I promised him. This is a covenant, a covenant between two parties. And if we won't do our part, he can't do his. Abraham wasn't waiting on God's appointed time. God was waiting on Abraham to become fully persuaded. So time had everything to do with Abraham getting his faith to the place. Come on now. I'm waiting on God. I don't understand why it's taking so long. I do. It's you. Praise the Lord. Before him whom he believed, or like unto him whom he believed, even God who makes alive the dead, this is how dead things come alive and cause those things to be not as though they were. Look at this now. <clears throat> Who against hope believed in hope that he might become. So it's settled on God's end. He's already that. In heaven's destiny, why God created this man, what God's purpose is for this man's already settled. God's purpose for Abraham doesn't change based upon what Abraham does. You need to understand that when you stand before God, you're not going to be judged by what you did. You're going to be judged by your purpose. And if what you did doesn't measure up to your purpose, there's your judgment. The Lord said to me once when I saw people acting all goofy and spitting up Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets and all kind of craziness, and I could feel people because the assignment on my life in the gifts of the Spirit, specifically uh, in the... Well, then I wasn't in that office, but I had a prophetic anointing. And if I was faithful with it, the Lord would install me. And I knew that. I didn't talk about it in the early days at all. And so I wasn't in the office. I wasn't a prophet. Nobody starts in the office that they wind up in. Nobody. I said nobody. And let me just tell you something right now. Novices are not in the office of prophet. All right, that's a whole side journey. Now, they can have a prophetic edge to them. 
But uh, that's beside the point. I won't go there. Now, here's the thing. So Abraham, and Abraham's actually called a prophet. In Genesis 20, verse 7, the first mention of the word prophet in the Bible is applied to Abraham. So as a prophet in this journey, he, he's walking toward his purpose. It took him a while. And restoration had to come. A lot of other things had to come. But here's the point I'm trying to make. That it, he was already that on God's end, but he was becoming that on his end. You go back and see, God always talked to him this way. The reason that Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, is describing it exactly this way is this way that God talked to Abraham back in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, chapter 17, God said, My covenant is between me and thee. And it shall be established in your generation. Meaning, as for me, covenant's already settled. As for you, you have to establish it. You need to understand there's an establishing of the covenant on your end. And you do that by hearing and saying the doings. Hearing and doing the sayings, I mean. Hearing and doing the sayings. So understand right now that God is saying to him. So God not only, not only was it written, but it's written because it was spoken. So this was first a saying, which became a written down saying which became a prophecy, a written down prophecy, which the Bible calls a promise. Which is why the scripture says no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. So every promise of God is God prophesying about you and your future and your destiny and your purpose and what he created you to experience in life. Now whether or not you appropriate it, that's on your end. His grace is there. His ability is there. All right? All right, and so things get sped up or slowed down based upon decisions, all kind of things, and, and this is not that teaching. So let me, let me expedite this. point I want to make is that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now here's, look at the next phrase. And being not weak in faith. Look now. He considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, colon. He staggered not at, at what? At the promise of God. Here's what you need to see. When a person staggers, they're not staggering at the circumstance. The circumstance doesn't have the spiritual capacity to stagger you. Oh, come on now. What you're wavering on is not the storm. Storm, the power of the storm is not the issue. If no weapon formed against you shall prosper, then that's why the Bible's full of admonition, like the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter said, Don't think it strange concerning this fiery trial that's come among you, as if some strange thing has happened to you, meaning nobody's ever hurt like I hurt. Nobody's ever felt like I've felt. Nobody's ever been betrayed like I have been. Nobody's ever hurt your feelings like they've hurt mine. See, have you ever made, it didn't amaze you that when somebody's in pain, their pain's always worse than any pain you've ever experienced? It's because it's the lie of the devil to make you feel like that this is a unique, specially designed situation that has to have some special action to He's trying to get you all caught up in that. 
Like you're some special someone that you're going through something that nobody else has ever been through. No, 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 absolutely not. No, there's nothing new under the sun. And anybody that's won proves you can win. Anybody that's been defeated proves you can fall if you don't pay attention. So you better not let it slip and neglect it. Because he didn't create you to fail. But you can fail if you want to. He didn't create you to go to hell. But you can go to hell if you want to. And he'll protect your right to do it if you just won't accept him. Now, notice what it says. He staggered not. It didn't say he staggered not at his body. It didn't say he staggered not at how long it took. He staggered not because Sarah was old. None of that. What would have kept him from receiving was if he had wavered on the promise. The word is unchangeable. So when you build your life on it, you become unchangeable. The word will make you what it is. When, when Peter was named Simon before he became Peter. Are you listening now? Simon means reed, blown about with the wind. He's just blown about with every wind of doctrine. But when he got revelation, he became Peter, the rock. What changed his nature? The revelation, the word. He became what was revealed to him. The word always has that power because oranges produce oranges and lemons produce lemons and peas produce peas and wheat produces wheat and the word will produce God. His nature, his ability, his faith, his anointing, right? Because God's word is seed. It's the brightness of his image, express image of himself. So the point I'm trying to make is you got Matthew 7, which is one witness that says it's not the power of the storm that makes you shake. You got another witness that says if you're staggering and wavering, it's because you're wavering at the word, not the circumstance. You're considering something other than the word. And that's what it said. He considered not his own body. Well, obviously he moved his consideration then. And he began to build on that word instead of what his body was saying. Now I'm just going to tell you, everything in this vision God's assigned us to do is going to come to pass. Let me tell you why. I'm not considering this body as the source. So the body will just have to get right. Because what God said is going to happen. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now what I want to communicate to you is, as I'm talking to you now about this, we, we need to understand then that no matter what the world is going through, that's not the source of your shaking. If you're shaken, it's not because of the COVID. It doesn't have the power to shake you. Any more than anything else does. See, according to the word of God, God doesn't use COVID to shake stuff. According to the word of God, he spoke to Amos. He spoke to Haggai. And it's recorded by Paul. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews in Hebrews 12. And here's what it says. Yet once more, 
Yet once more, I will speak from heaven. And my voice will shake the heavens and shake the earth. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word that's the only thing that has the power to shake and rearrange and change your world and move you off of one foundation to another, put you through a new portal, birth something new. The world can't birth anything new in your life. The world can't get you, give you purpose. Satan can't cast out Satan. Satan steals, kills, and destroys. You think something from his system is going to add to you? No, sir. Doesn't change his nature. Snakes bite. Scorpions sting. The devil steals and lies. And God doesn't use him to perfect the church in the truth. Now, I say that because we've been going down talking about removing the mixture out of Romans 16. And this message isn't really specifically along that line. But I want you to see how it's all building the same foundation. How that if we remove the mixture and become wise concerning good and simple concerning evil, which means unmixed, then the very God of peace will bruise, crush, crush Satan under our feet. And he's going to do it shortly. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Now, <clears throat> let me kind of race toward where we want to go today. And I'm going to do it through the idea and the view, the scope of the lens of what the Spirit of God said three days before 2020, which was when there was an open vision and the world began to shake violently. And uh, as you can see, uh, the clock's different this morning. We're going to do some things a little differently. And it may be the birth of a different flow. But we'll just let him do what he wants to do now. But now listen to me by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> so, so what we see is three days before 2020 when, 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 that, you know, when the wall disappeared, the world's shaking violently, and the Lord said everything that can be shaken will be. Remember what it says in Hebrews 12. He says that the shaking time is our receiving time. Purpose of the shaking is to remove everything that can be shaken. That's separation. Amen. So that we might receive an unshakable kingdom. So we're left, huh? Without the mixture of the temporary, shakable, unstable stuff. Glory be to God. And everything in the kingdom must be received. And so through the process, it's going to shake us one way or another. Well, if you're built on the word, it will, it will shake the word. This is why the truth makes you free. It's the only thing that has the power to deposit in you what God wills you to have that you can't get in your own strength while simultaneously cut, excuse me, cutting off of you all the unnecessary things. The word is the implement that will build your life into an unshakable place and while it's doing it, will shake off of you all the other stuff that's attached. And we're going to talk about spiritual laws, not here, but in our, our school of him this quarter. And one of them is the law of expansion and consumption, which means all of this is happening simultaneously. Huh? See, so understand that when I speak to a mountain, while the mountain's moving away from me, my harvest is moving toward me. It's happening at the same time. It's, glory be to God. Glory be to God. So we have got, we have got right now all seeds coming together to harvest. Now here's what the Lord said. It'd be a year of fulfillment. Say year of fulfillment. 
well, really a decade. But the, when the Lord showed me that open vision, he said to me, I don't want to talk to you about a year. I want to talk to you about a decade. It'll be known as a decade of deliverance. He said a new generation of deliverers is being born. Amen. And as he said that, here's what he said. He said to me, uh, there's an anointing coming, and it's the anointing to open. Isaiah 45, 1, Jesus, he was, the anointing was on him to open the eyes of the blind. He's going to open the two leave gates. The bra he's going to break through the bars of bronze, all of that. In other words, there's some doors that have been locked down that are about to be opened, including access to heavenly things, heaven, manifestations of heaven on earth. We've been believing God for a long time. Now, in the midst of this, you may remember that about this particular year, the Lord gave a lot of promises. And because I took time explaining that other, I'm not going to read through all of these, all right? But what I do want to read to you is a couple of them. One of them is a year of change. A year of change, many changes, great changes, in some cases, very significant changes. Then the Lord said, Listen now, this is really critically important. Generational shift. Oh, my, my, my. He said generational shift. A year of deliverance from generational issues, curses, and removal. And demonic strongholds, excuse me, including poverty, infirmity, and behaviors. There's some stuff shaking off of you. Yes, it's not going to hold you back anymore. He said that he was going to break the back of obscurity. It'd be a year of positioning, a year rising out of obscurity. And there's many things he said about that. But one of the things that I want to say to you, because this is really important, is a year of great escape. Great escape. He even said escape. From deaths, plural. Now, the Lord spoke to me. I was in Mississippi doing a meeting. It's the final set of meetings I did before things began to get really shut down in March of 2020. And the Lord said to me and made me to know, just clear, <clears throat> clearly made me to know. He said, and he was talking about this thing with the pandemic. The, he made me to know. He said, this thing will be short-lived. And you remember, we did the Passover prayer and other thing. We flattened the curve and all that. He made me to know it. And then we got an intercession. And I don't know if you remember when I fell over the table and began to groan. And I saw the nation. Some of y'all may not remember this. But I saw this thing hitting and it got deep into the heart of the nation. And the Lord said, I'm going to hold the church responsible for this. You remember the Lord said that? He said it had never gotten this deep in this nation if the church was strong. But the church is weak. It's the church's fault. Do you remember that? Well, I want to, once again, I'm talking about spiritual things now, so I'm going to need you to come up and think on a different plane with me. What happens is when there's prophetic utterance, we tend to fill in the blanks. What that means is, is that even prophets, we need to understand this, that even prophets have a limit, a scope, a measure, a territory. That's why the Bible even talks about major prophets and minor prophets. Well, Old Testament prophets are not like New Testament prophets. And even New Testament prophets, <clears throat> um, they, uh, they operate in a sphere of authority. 
And too many times they're prophesying beyond their authority. Just because you see something doesn't mean you're the mouth to say it. All right, so once again, I, I, I'm doing my best not to check off of these boxes because I get in the spirit and I start seeing things and that utterance comes out. But I do think it helps the body of Christ to understand how to navigate all the voices. Because you can't put every voice on the same level. And so when the Lord said that to me, you can easily assume when you see in part and know in part that your part is the whole. Especially if you fill in the blanks. And that's why novices aren't in the office of prophet because they tend to do that a lot. Until they learn how to separate out the pure voice of God from their imaginations and what their mind's going through at the time and that filter of how to apply it. Well, I, uh, I look back now because I saw my granddaughter Kenzie when the Lord said that to me. And he, remember me telling you, it'd be like for Kenzie, for example. I, I, the example I used was like Kenzie at school. This thing will be short-lived. In other words, she'll get back in school. They won't shut down school forever. Well, I was seeing, now, I didn't realize that the Lord <clears throat> was already showing me that dividing line across the great divide. He was already showing me. Now, I know now, looking back, but I didn't realize that the Lord was saying to me, He wasn't talking to me that this virus would be gone in short fashion. He was saying to me to be short-lived in your life and the influence it has on you. Don't. It can stay present in the world and still not affect me. So I saw in part, but that was because it was a personal word. Before we ever got into it, we knew how it was going to turn out. Amen. Now, since that time, I knew some things. As we prayed over into it about the election, I kept pushing it away, not wanting to see it. And then all kind of craziness went on, a lot of voices. And so I backed off and just honestly pulled back. Just recently. And... Um, First time that the Lord really started talking to me about the nation again was on July the 4th. Because I saw all the craziness about the nation and the confusion in the body of Christ, I just pulled back. And if you want to get it, it's out there on July the 4th, right here on this stage. The Lord said what he was about to do. And we have a nation within a nation. And it's not about who's sitting in the, the Oval Office. There's somebody sitting on the highest seat. And he's a king, not a president. Oh, glory. Now, I do want to know things, and he'll show us things as they apply and as it need to be, but we can't take the prophet's office and reduce it down to predicting who the next president's going to be. Because that's not God's highest priority in the prophet's office, predicting a president. The office of prophet is not... Now, it can predict, and it does foretell, but it usually forth tells. But when it does foretell over in the word of wisdom, it'll look over into future events as the body of Christ needs to know concerning what God wants to do in kingdom plans. Because he's interested, he's interested in getting his agenda done. Amen. And so uh, he, he will, he will then show you some things as it's necessary so that the body of Christ can navigate those waters and not get off point. 
I'll never forget, there was a pastor friend of mine <clears throat> that was uh, uh, in the uh, mountains of Virginia, and I used to go every year. He doesn't pastor there anymore. But then there were others in that area that I knew very well that were really close by. Actually, a pastor that pastored in the city. But I remember I was coming into the new year, and understand, we're in a flow now today, so I'm, I'm, going to, I'm just going to follow that. I hadn't thought about this in years, but as I'm talking to you under this anointing, it just came up out of my spirit to use as an example. The Lord, and twice he's done that, well, more than twice, but two times I can think of. Once I, I fell into what was, it wasn't a trance, but a semi-trance in 2003. I was in Houston at a set of meetings that we did that were our meetings, and uh, an anointing dropped on me at the end of the morning session. I still remember LaDonna Taylor. Anybody know LaDonna Taylor? LaDonna Taylor was playing on, on the violin. The glory of God hit the place. And the power of God hit me after I prayed for the people. And I said, I, I, I got to pray. I got to pray right now. And I fell over the altar. And uh, I just assumed people would leave and just leave me there alone. I didn't know. About 15 or 20 minutes later, I mean, as soon as I hit my knees hit the floor, I'd read about this happening to Dad Hagen. And uh, it had not to that point ever happened to me quite like that. And when, I, when my knees hit the floor, I was in the spirit. And I began to pray in other tongues as hard and fast as I could go. And the United States opened up in front of me. And the Lord said to me, now and this is, this is the situation. He said, the Lord said to me, there are certain events going to begin to happen in the nation. And we have that documented and everything the Lord said. And much of it happened within 14 days. And the rest of it happened over a period of a few months. And this is where you can, get, you, you can really get your, yourself messed up. This was in October of that year. Well, the election of the next year wasn't until November of 2004. And the Lord said to me, the enemy has a plan. And it was beyond the terrorist attacks. And he said to me in that vision, he showed me this time to start on the other coast in California. You go back and look and it's documented. The day that I was on my knees in prayer, lost in the spirit, in a trance, was the day that that fire started that consumed nearly the whole state of California. And had we not prayed, that thing still might not be out. Because what happened was they can't explain how it ever got out except that the wind shifted and blew a wet fog in off the ocean and it came and sat on that fire because they couldn't contain it and finally shut it down. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But they had a six-inch hailstorm in Watts of L.A. They had record number of tornadoes down the Midwest like never before. They had, it was the worst day for her, worst year for hurricanes we'd ever experienced to that date. And the Lord showed me that. He said, he said to me, in that visitation, it's going to start in California, this, 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 what he wants to do. And so I prayed for a while, and I saw a terrorist attack <clears throat> that was coming up out of Mexico trying to get across the border, and it was aimed at a sports stadium they wanted to take out 100,000 people. See, we forget these things. I said, see, we forget these things. And I, I was lost in the spirit, and, and I prayed. I was, I mean, I hard and fast in other tongues. I couldn't speak English, but I'm seeing it as if I'm talking English. And he's talking to me about it. Y'all okay? Because yes, this is kind of elongating where I'm going, so I'm just, it's a little bit different morning. We good? Okay. And, uh, and when I saw it, all of a sudden it flushed out. He said, all right, that's it, that's it. You got it. It stopped. Because I remember he told me to resist that thing. And I did. And it came out in the papers, October of the year, and they caught trying to cross the border, 
some known terrorists that had all the paraphernalia and they were headed either to L.A. or Oakland to set off a massive explosion on a Sunday in an NFL stadium. Go back and read this document. Now, when I came out of this experience, I told everybody what I saw. So that means it was spoken before it all happened. Then I saw massive tornadoes just ripping up the middle of our country. And then I saw hurricanes coming, demonic, demonically induced hurricanes coming, crisscrossing Florida and the coast. <clears throat> and the Lord said, the enemy, he said, America's heightened against this terrorist attack. He said, so the enemy's going to come at it another way. He said, he's going to use what the world thinks is natural phenomena and they don't know it's demon induced to affect the election. Sure enough, a hurricane came. And the first thing that happened was that made it a political ping pong ball. They both flew down there where the administration's not doing anything and they're not adding any funds and they're yada, yada. That's, that's one of the first times ever that I really truly remember. Now, Katrina came in 2005 and beyond that, but that first one, and this is all documented now, they were using it, huh? And the very state that was hammered with hurricanes became, became the hanging Chad state that swung the election. All of this is, and it's all, like I said, then we looked at it by, and the, here's what the Lord told me. And, and the reason I'm saying this is, I'm going to give you a second example, and it's going to be shorter than this one. I didn't mean to get in this one so deeply, but I'm simply saying that the Lord, when he said that, he said the enemy, and he said the enemy wants to use this to affect the election. I, here's what he said to me now. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't say this to me three times a day. Every day. He hadn't said this to me, but less than a handful of times my whole life, maybe three. He said, when, that, when, when the map of the United States appeared in 2003 in October, he said, and I want you to stop it. And then he began to tell me, here's how you do it. <clears throat> Whenever you go and do, when you travel this year and you go into a church or, or an arena, and that's when we started having uh, pastors, six or eight pastors if the, at the area, if they would come, I'd just meet with them at lunch. He said, when you go in an area and you do a meeting, he said, you tell the pastors when you go into that meeting, after you preach, lay hands on them, he said, there'll be something left in the church when you go there, the anointing I'm sending you in with to dominate that thing. He said, but you get the pastors of the area, those that'll come, sit down, and you just minister to them and tell them that that is their jurisdiction. And that if it's not going to happen in their area, they're responsible to stop it. Now notice how he told me to change it. He didn't tell me to change it. I'm not the only one. I'm not Jesus. He gave me a plan. Can you see this? Well, I, we did that best we could. I, I remember, uh, anyway. Now, the thing is, you could stop it from coming on those churches, affecting those people in that region. You couldn't stop the overall thing. Oh, no. yes, sir. That's true. He's showing you what's going to happen. What he's saying to stop is not the storms. Yes, sir. He's saying stop what the devil's trying to do through those storms. 
He didn't give me a authority that day in Houston over every hurricane that year to shut it down. He gave me authority to stop the intended demonic plan of how it would affect his desire for the will of God to be done. And he didn't, you know, he could have told me who was going to be president. He didn't. He could have just as easily told me how it was going to turn out. But he didn't. He said the enemy's trying to use this to affect the election. You stop it. So he didn't tell me to rally the troops, huh? And make sure that we Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He didn't have a natural plan to stop it. No. Now it can correlate into a natural plan and will. Because I remember I was flying to New York City in October before the election, and I didn't know what it meant. But that was now in 2004, about a year later. And then he told me, he said this year. I, he kept saying this year, this year, this year. And that was in October 2003. And he said, and he wants to do all this to affect the election. And so I just kind of, now this just gives you another example of how you fill in the blanks. Yes, sir. I assume, because in my mind, this year starts in January 1. So I think he's showing me into 2004. He wasn't talking about the calendar year. The reason he gave it to me in October is he was talking to me about the election year, but I didn't catch that then. So I had in my mind <clears throat> to wait till January when I started traveling those churches. That's what I had in my mind because that's the way it went through my mind, even though I'm totally in the spirit watching it. It shows you your mind doesn't check out while you're getting spiritual information. So the Lord said to me, and it just as clear, later on, within two weeks, about, you know, 75% of that came to pass in 14 days. I said, Lord, I thought you said this year. He said, I did. I said, well, this is October. He said, I'm not talking about your calendar year. He said, get on this now. Why do you think I showed it to you? That's when we found out that fire started that day in California. And then we found out a few days later that terrorist attack got stopped. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And all of it came to pass. Well, now, a year later, in October 2004, I'm flying to New York City on the airplane. I laid my head back, and not our airplane. I was in commercial airliner. And I, I laid my head back, and I just heard this phrase, just as clear as a bell. Watch December the 12th. I wrote it down. Hmm. I called my wife when I landed. I said, something significant is going to happen on the 12th of December. God didn't give me any details. Don't you know he could have told me that that's when all the chads were going to be counted and that's when they were going to confirm the outcome. He could have told me that. December the 12th is when it all got ended and confirmed. Now I'm just going to tell you, there's been a whole lot of watch this date and watch that date and ain't nothing happened. He's not telling you every other day to watch this date as if it's a cataclysmic shift. <laughs> That's true. 
Well, if you can't say amen, say, oh, me. Amen. You may not know it right now, but I'm probably saving your life. You'll understand in a minute. In a few minutes, you're going to understand. Glory be to God. The master's in the room. I said the master's in the room. Well, the other time I said that, I mean, there's more times than this, uh, but it's been stretched out over all these years. Another time that I remember we were coming into the new year and I saw in the spirit different things happening in the nation. And one of the things was I saw the mountains of uh, Virginia, the, uh, the, the, uh, what, what the Smoky Mountains. And I saw the place in the country it was and I said, that, and I saw an event and I saw a, tra a tragic event, explosion. And the Lord said, and the Lord said to me, he said, now, I'm showing you this for a reason. Now, here's my point. I'm, I'm, I'm making some spiritual points here. So I need you to get spiritual with me. He said, I'm showing you this for a reason. I said, why? He said, because when this happens, I want my men in that area to not be distracted by that event and stay on point and fulfill their purpose in their churches. Amen. He said, so you call them and tell them that this is going to happen. But it's not to get them to change what they're doing and respond. And sure enough, I called them. I had uh, a pastor friend that was pastoring uh, and had pastored for many, many years in Blacksburg, Virginia, Christiansburg, Blacksburg. That's the site. That's where Virginia Tech is. Come on now. Another pastor that pastored just a little bit down the road, 45 minutes down the road, and others I had ministered for in the area, I called all of them, and I said, this is what the word of the Lord said. I said, I, he didn't give me details. He didn't tell me what, when, or where. But when it happens, do not adjust your church vision. Do not change what you're preaching. Do not, do not lose focus, purpose, or get distracted, or respond to it in any way. You keep preaching the word, and you keep your eyes straight forward, and you stay on the goal God gave you. Next thing you know, I don't remember what time of year it was, but it wasn't very long after I called them by the Spirit of God, and you had an active shooter ran all over the campus, 32 people. Well, they could have easily just changed the whole focus of their church and focused on that one event. And the Lord said, no, don't do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes, so why did he show that to me ahead of time? If I could have prevented it, don't you think he'd have told me to? Yes. If I could have changed the outcome of it, don't you think he'd have told me to? He told me that other time to change the outcome of it. Now what was the purpose of him showing me that? To keep the church on point. Yes, sir. With what's important to him. Amen. <clears throat> well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Now, let's just thank him for a second because he has some things he wants to say to us today. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. You are not in this meeting by accident. Hallelujah. Come on now. Come on now. Don't get in your mind now. Just stay with me. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a second. <clears throat> 
Vorja mar mondrung ondren zenga malu ondre geneshke brada borodengara nishti anada rene mata. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody shout escapes. <coughs> Say great escapes. I don't have time today to teach it on the line that I would normally teach it, and that is the principle, the no more curse idea, the promise of escape, all the scriptures that promise us escape and our faith for escape. I'd like to do that, but, but that is kind of like <clears throat> when the Lord shows you a part and you know how it applies to each individual because it's a promise that belongs to them what Jesus purchased. But now, no, we're talking about something larger. I said we're talking about something larger. I'll get to it by the end here, but this is what I want you to go to. Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I was awakened this morning by the Spirit of the Lord. And when I say visitation, um, I don't want you to think in terms of like what has happened at previous times, which is uh, a heavenly visitor or, or the, the room lighting up or me having an open vision. This this was actually, honestly, those experiences captivate your senses and you're not really aware as much of the deposit as you are what's going on. Now you say, well, how can that be? Well, because when you're caught up in the spirit and it's so spectacular like that, you're still you. And if you don't believe that, ask Peter when he said, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tents. All right. Some of the most dramatic visitations I've received, I wasn't as aware of what was taking place as I was this morning. This morning wasn't as dramatic, but probably equally or maybe even more eternally substantive. And I'm telling you, it moved inside my being and boom, sat there like a rock. There has been a shift. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. <clears throat> oh, glory be to God. Now, let me rewind just a little bit to one other statement before we read this verse. As I rewind and talk about this, you may remember that I have over the years talked about these days of fulfillment and the fullness. And the Lord visited me about the administration suitable to the fullness that belongs to these times. And one of the things he said to me was, he talked to me about how to get in it, the laws that governed it. I preached it for two years, and he said, now they have faith for it. I want you to begin to talk about the most important things to do to step over into the administration of the fullness. One of them was Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and we just really hadn't been acting that out like we should, but we will. And then he talked to me about a couple of laws, a couple of other laws that were strategically important. He said to me, if the body of Christ is going to walk into the fullness of all of assigned to them, he said, they're going to have to mature and begin to rise up and have revelation and walk in at least two of my most dominant spiritual laws. Number one is the law of seed time and harvest. Amen. He said, I have given this to them to dominate, create their future. Yes, sir. He said, but number two, and this is the thing I want to talk to you about today is the absolute, they need a revelation of the absolute dominion and authority that is inside the name of Jesus. He said that to me all those years ago. He said, the body of Christ is ever going to walk in fullness. This is what they're going to walk in. The law of dominion. Glory to God. 
Well, back then, you know, I only saw in part and knew in part, and I had some understanding. But this morning, when the Lord, and I've been on this journey for a while because he's been talking to me about this, <clears throat> but what I didn't know is what he said to me as it accompanied and that it was time. I already knew <clears throat> he's laid the track and the foundation for so long that we're ready to step into and this phase of the ministry. So all, all of that, the teaching, the revelation and all, this isn't like, I'm not going to be teaching new stuff. I'm going to be teaching things that I haven't taught that have built in my life over years. But now, with this visitation, what I didn't know was that we just walked through the veil. Whew. The shift is here. Glory be to God. The shift is here. My, my, my. In the ninth month of this year, of the first year of a decade of deliverance. And in John chapter 20, I was awakened at 3.30 this morning. And he gave me this verse. Verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you might have life through His name. Oh, glory to God. When the Lord gave me that verse, it went... <laughs> and He began to talk to me about some things that uh, I'm going to share with you in very minute detail. But now let's back up to verse 30 and let's read it in context. And many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Well, the Amplified Bible says many other signs and miracles Jesus performed. In the presence of his disciples. In the presence of his disciples. I said in the presence of his disciples. So what John wrote wasn't all John experienced. He saw a lot of other miracles that he didn't write about. Are you with me now? Do you see what he's saying here? All of the disciples did. Every gospel writer. Matthew did too. Every gospel writer. All the apostles. Saw many more miracles than they wrote about. But one of the things we're going to see is the attachment of, of what we're really talking about here. What is it that they wrote about? Notice what it says here. And many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written. In other words, John is saying under the anointing, I am specifically written this book. I've written this book. I've written about these signs, these wonders, these revelations. And the reason I've written about them is that you might believe Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God, and that in believing, in believing, look what it says now, in believing you might have life. How? Say it, say it out loud. Come on now, don't be slow. So 
these are written that you might have faith in His name. Do you see that? Because His name is Him. He is His name. And without a... Okay, let me just stick to the point. Now, I want to read this in the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation, it reads this way. Uh, Do we have it up there? Great, because I I really, I'd like to get their eyes on it. But these are written. Say, these are written. written. So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life how? How? Now, when John was, was talking, when John, the God, when the Apostle John was, was uh, writing his other epistles, 1 John chapter 1 says that we have, the life was manifested. Yes, sir. Okay, let me, let's just go read that. 1 John chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. And we'll go King James on this. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We were cutting down the underbrush on all that other to get to this right here. 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning. Does that sound familiar? Gospel of John opens that way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on, our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father. It was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now I'm probably just going to stay up here. Can you fill me up just a little bit more? Or maybe I was just looking down here. Here's the thing. The life. Now we have a description of the life He's talking about. This is the same writer. He is saying that Jesus, they walked with Him, handled the fish, their physical hands were on Lazarus's grave clothes, taking them off. Oh, you, you understand what's going on here? He is saying, we saw it. We heard it. We felt it. We received it. He's saying, the fish broke open in my hands. And, whoop, whoop. and not only did I handle the miracle... Not only did the miracle happen in my hands, not only did I distribute the miracle, I ate that fish too. I ate fish that day in the desert. And I was in between Jesus and the people, and I was the pipeline, the wire, the conduit through which his life produced bread and fish for them. And it came right through me. I fellowshiped with it. Are you getting this? Now, now, why is that important? Because let's go back to John chapter 20. Now let's read verse 30. Now we have a Bible definition of what life is. 
The life manifested. The life manifested. Are you with me? The life manifested in my hands, in my eyes, in my ears. See that? What life are we talking about? Verse 30, many other signs and miracles. By the end of verse 31, that we might have life. You need to understand that these signs, wonders, miracles, glory, supernatural experiences, heaven and earth colliding, uh, spectacular things happening are the resurrection life of God in manifestation. To deliver, to heal, to provide, to prophesy, to see, to know, to help, to protect... We've got to have that life. Amen. I said, we've got to have that life. Yes, Glory be to God, we've got to have that life. Yes, it was that law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that was inside John G. Lake when they put bubonic plague in his hand and it died. Amen? It was that life. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And, uh, and I'm going to read you something. The Lord said to me, a couple of things here. He said to me that John began his book and ended it and told you why he wrote the gospel. I said, John 1, 12, as many as received him, chapter 1, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. These things are written that you might believe. That you have power to handle this life, to distribute this life, to walk in this life through faith in that name. Whether you know it or not, now if I were to ask you a question, if I were to ask you a question, if I were to say, Woo, what was the Apostle John's highest revelation? What did he write about the most? What was his highest revelation? What would you say? Come on, say it out loud real quick. How many would say love? Let me see your hands. How many of you would say love? love? Did you know I thought that was true till 3.30 this morning? I thought the same thing. Behold the disciple whom Jesus loved. Huh? All his epistles to the church, his small epistles about the love of God. Beloved, let us love one another. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. But how about we read what John actually wrote? How about we read one more verse, John chapter 17, verse 26. I think it'll settle the issue. Look what it says here. John 17, 26. And I have declared unto them. Now why have I declared the name and why am I going to keep declaring the name? So that the love Are y'all getting this? So that the love wherewith you love me may be in them and I in them. His highest revelation wasn't the love of God, although he had a revelation of it. The scripture says we must know and believe the love. Why did he believe the love? Because the love is not a thing or a force, it's a person. Love is a person. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. And love with us means Jesus is with us, personified. 
Well, he is his name and his name is him. And you're never going to believe that the love will do for you what the loved one says he'll do for you unless you believe on his name. But you get faith in his name and the love of God will start walking with you and he will start walking with you and he will love the people and cast out devils and heal the sick and he will break open fish and feed the people and when they don't know something, they'll teach the people. Glory be to God. I see it. I see it. I see it. Where we have missed it is lack of faith in the name of Jesus. Now that's what the Lord said to me all those years ago when he said, if you're ever going to walk in fullness, son. He said, they're going to have to get a revelation of the authority and the fullness of the dominion that they possess because they have been given that name. Now, I'll come back and teach this later. My time's almost out on that. I just wanted you to see that so that you could hear what I'm about to say to you. So when he began to talk to me about this, and he, and he began to talk to me about, to be real honest, my assignment in this generation right now in this generational shift of Father. And I'm going to go on and say it. And my highest assignment in the office of prophet. Here's what he said to me. Suddenly as I'm laying there praying and I'm just overwhelmed by what he's saying to me about what we have and the authority of faith in that name and what we're going to do, it wasn't but a matter of minutes. And he said this, there are things coming on the earth that without revelation of the power and the authority of the, in the name of Jesus, my people will not survive. Can you see why I had to build your faith before I started talking to you? You can't get caught up in the things I'm going to say because if you're natural minded, you're going to worry about, well, what is it? What's the Lord saying? What's coming on the earth? That's not the point. The point is, stay on point. And if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, you'll survive no matter what's coming in the earth. So stay on point. Now, I'm not ministering this from the pastoral office today. And there has been a shift. And here in this ninth month, you're about to see it unfold. And over the next 90 days, some things are going to get rolling. And by 2022, oh, glory be to God. But you need to understand it's on both sides of the fence. So the Lord said to me, things are coming on the earth that without revelation of the power and authority in the name of Jesus, my people will not survive it. Now, he went on to say this. COVID is a demon, he said. Well, I know y'all are nodding your head. I already knew that. But what I didn't know is what I'm about to tell you that he told me. See how you can make a statement and you revert back to, oh yeah, well yeah. No, no. Listen. This is one time I'm going to say, don't necessarily just jump in there. Open up. I don't mind if you're quiet. 
I want you to hear it. COVID is a demon, he said. It is developing and growing. Not the disease. He said to me, it is a part of the Antichrist system. There are coming things much darker, more ominous, and difficult to bear than COVID. There are many other things this demonic scheme has planned that to the natural mind will not appear related but originate from the same spiritual force. Prepare yourself for the times. Do not treat each of these things as an individual event. Rise up and fortify your spirit against the spiritual forces that are orchestrating these events and you will step over each one in victory. He went on to say, do not put your trust in men. He said, heightened discernment and manifestations of my spirit will begin to increase. I will reveal to you who you can trust. This is part of my promise of seeking first the kingdom. Place your love, confidence, and trust only in me. You have entered into a time of the spirit of betrayal. If it were possible, the very foundations of the earth would be shaken and moved. Therefore, people will be easily moved. Many will be moved out of the place they should be and should stay, and men will betray one another. Even family members shall under the pressure and duress of these dark times begin to betray one another. Realize that many of these men and women do not know what is in them, but I know what is in them. Therefore, I'm warning you even now, I will show you in advance what they will do even before they knew within their own selves they would make that decision. I'll give you an example. The Lord wanted me to give you this example, so I'm going to give it to you. Jesus knew what Peter was going to do even though Peter didn't even know yet he was going to do that. Same with Judas. Now, why did God show Jesus that? Have you, have, have you ever thought about that Jesus prophesied to Peter that was going to happen and then he didn't jump up and lay hands on him and believe God he'd be strengthened so it wouldn't happen. Did you ever realize that he prophesied to Peter what he was going to do and yet didn't lift a finger to intervene to stop it? Come on now. We've got to come on up to some different thoughts here. 
See, the way that the, the, way that the super seeker-friendly, consumer-driven church has been operating has gotten the spirit of Antichrist all over it, like you're to come here and we are supposed to supply you with something you need. When you don't have a clue what you need, you don't even know what decision you're going to make. You don't even know what's in you till the Word of God exposes it. It's amazing to me. Cockroach. And Peter was in the eyesight of Jesus, and Jesus looked at him. And when they caught eyes, Peter ran off and wept bitterly. Because try as he might, he couldn't change what was in him. And God is saying, I'm going to show you this because can you imagine how hard it was already, the weight of the world was already on Jesus. He was in such mortal combat, an angel had to strengthen him, he had died in the garden in prayer. He didn't want to go that way. He sure didn't want to be separated from the Father, and he sure didn't want to participate with the world and take on sin. Think of that. Don't you know, had God not shown him what was going to happen before it happened, had he not known that, it would have greatly dismayed and discouraged him, but he despised the shame and he stayed focused. I don't care what's going on around you. You know, I was recently speaking to a very dear friend that's in the office of prophet. And I won't reveal the name. That's not the point right now. But uh, he, this particular person, has a long-standing history with, you know, some wonderful men and women of God, just like I've now been privileged to do. And in particular, I'm just going to tell you, uh, this individual was talking to, to, to Dad Hagen Sr. They began to talk about what was coming in the earth and the office of prophet. And the Lord said, Nothing that's coming in the earth will surprise you. He said, because you preach it, it's in the book, the revelations there, you read about it. He said, what's coming is not what's going to surprise you. Dad Hagen told him, who's going to fall for it? That's what's going to surprise you. We're, the purpose of the shaking is to reveal. I know this is heavy, but I, I've got to obey God here. Because this is going far beyond this room. It's setting this room in order. But it's going all over. Though it's going far beyond this room right now. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now listen. The Lord said then, just like Jesus seeing Peter and Judas', Judas decisions before they made them, did that so that he wouldn't get derailed from the plan. He wouldn't be in the middle of when he needed all of his energy to get God's will done at that critical moment. He wouldn't be over fasting and praying trying to get Judas back. All that stuff's to get you off point. Amen? Then the Lord said, I am doing this. In other words, doing what? Well, let me back up. I will show you in advance what they will do. Talking about the spirit of betrayal now. I'll show you in advance what they will do even before they knew within their own selves that they would make that decision. I am doing this so you can position yourselves and be prepared when that time comes. Now what's the, what's the objective here? That you won't be shaken by anything or even any decisions of other people. Even family members. This really is good news, folks. Amen. He said there will be for the faithful 
an increase of exposure and uncovering of the hidden plans of men. I will both expose and thwart their hidden schemes against you. I have told you these things from the beginning so that you would not be discouraged and dismayed or taken by surprise in these things. My word says these things shall not come upon you unawares. Be sober and vigilant in this hour. Begin to simplify your lives. Now, can you see the mixture side of it? Begin to simplify your lives first, even in your thought processes and what you entertain. It will be preparation for the escape of what is coming upon the earth in this hour. Now listen to this. It's good news. In the midst of betrayal, there will be the returning, a returning of those who cry out to me, of their first love. Back to what they know and the roots of what is the essence of their purpose in life and where they know they should be. Welcome them back with open arms for this is what I've wanted for their lives all along. And then he said this word, purity will be at a premium in the last days. Now, this is open-ended, what I'm going to read to you. It's the final line because he said it to me as a general. But you need to get it down in your heart. This will become the most important survival skill for the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, he said to me, this will become the most important survival skill for the body of Christ. Not canned foods and dried foods or water or anything else. This will become the most important exclamation point, the revelation of the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. When God is saying prepare, he's not talking about buying your 177-7777 good luck dried food package where you and your family can eat for five years in a cave. If he speaks to you, you're going to know it. He can wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you such such, go buy this, go do this, go do this. And he'll tell you how long it lasts, when it's coming, where it's coming from. And you'll have time to go do it and he'll open the door for you to go do it. I'm not against savings accounts or having food put back or water or buying at discount or buying in bulk. I'm not against any of that. What I'm against is the fear that's causing you to do it and the trust in it. Because I can guarantee you, you got three weeks of water. Then what, big boy? Is that all you're going to live? Three weeks past the problem? Come on now. This will be the most important survival skill bar none in the end times, the revelation of the power and the authority of the mighty name that's above every name where we can handle life that will bring fish, water, bread in the desert where there's no river. If God can fly bread to Elijah on ravens, 
He is not going to have a problem getting your stuff to you. I don't care what kind of pandemic is going on. 